Sermon numbered 570, Bethel, the Bible, and Bakerstown, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on April 25, 1971. This is the Bethel series push. Text is Romans 15.4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Romans, the 15th chapter, the first verse. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to edify him. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today in Bakerstown Church, as Mr. Wiley mentioned in his prayer, is what we call Bethel Sunday. And for the next few minutes, I hope that I can tell you what has happened, what is in the process of happening, and our hopes for what will happen. It all began a little more than two years ago when a telephone call came to my office here at the study from a parishioner of this congregation, one who just a few years previous to that had been converted through the ministry of this church. And this individual, like all babes in Christ, was eager to find out more about the Word of God. And he uh, had affiliated himself with several small groups, and he had found out that in a neighboring Presbyterian church, an intensive Bible study was being conducted, and being of the nature of this person, he was eager to become a member of it, and he tried to gain entrance, and he was denied membership into that group. Knowing that I was a good friend of the pastor of that church, this telephone call was a request for me to intercede and to find out whether or not I could get this eager man into that Bible study. I called my preacher friend, and needless to say, I was not successful in interceding for 
this member of our congregation, but it was over the telephone that day that I really, for the first time, heard about the Bethel Bible series. It is an intensive, demanding series that demands much discipline and sacrifice on the part of many people. A two-phase program, the first phase you spend two academic years in training teachers who, following that, spend six semesters, each semester being seven weeks in length, teaching the members of the congregation. The first phase is by invitation. The second phase is an enrollment that is open to everyone, but it is always a closed enrollment according to the size of the congregation. I was greatly interested in what my preacher friend had to tell me and asked for more information. A few weeks later, I had a call from Madison, Wisconsin, a representative of the Adult Christian Education Foundation, the mother institution of the Bethel Bible series asked if he could come and talk to some of the decision-makers in this congregation and any other interested persons who are concerned about Bible study within the church. I invited him to come. A date was set. By the way, this man now with the Adult Christian Education Foundation was the former police chief of Madison, Wisconsin that this Bible course had so revolutionized his life that he left that position to join the Foundation and become one of its full-time workers. The meeting was set. The session members were all invited, as was every member of this congregation. Through the newsletter and through bulletins, you were all invited to that informal meeting, which took place two years ago. Well. To say that 15 people were present that night would be a gross exaggeration. Personally, I was a little embarrassed. But I was thrilled with the others in hearing what we heard. Something rang within my mind when I heard this man speak. I felt that this had been an answer for something that I had been looking for personally for a long, long period of time. Two committees of the session, your session, discussed the pros and the cons of such a difficult program, especially since it involved an investment of $500 on the part of this church. We discussed and we really didn't know whether or not we had the confidence of the people and whether or not we had enough people who were willing to take that discipline and make that sacrifice which would be necessary to have the Spirit work through the Bethel Bible series here in Bakerstown Church. But your officers, being very good stewards, by the way, of your money, when they heard that we could get our money refunded in typical Scotch-Irish Presbyterian style, they decided to go with the plan. And I was sent, together with the check, to Madison, Wisconsin for two weeks of intensive training. 
And it was within the first few days that I knew I was in the process of having something happen to me that had never happened before in my life. First of all, I met Harley Swiggum, perhaps the finest teacher I have ever met in all of my life, a man whom all of you are going to have an opportunity to hear next month as he is agreed and is scheduled to be our preacher on the second Sunday of our centennial celebration. There I saw an effective organization, which, by the way, I'm not used to seeing within the activity of most church work. Most of the organization within the church seems so loose and so unrelated and so ineffective. But here was something that was effectively organized. I saw goals that were realistic and which were carefully planned. I saw programs that had been tested hundreds and hundreds of times all over the United States. I was with students, other students from all denominations, from every state in the Union. Some were there from Australia. This course, by the way, is taught by Dr. Swigum every February in Japan through a Japanese translator. It is a course of study which Mr. Bruder had been through before he came to be with us. It is one that I have been through and slowly I am realizing from friends all over the United States it is a program that has had tremendous effect in the lives of many, many, many people. I'll never forget, it was 4th of July in 1969 when I left Madison. We had to go to class even in the morning of that national holiday. And as I was flying back, I really wondered whether or not here, we here in Bakerstown had what it would take. Personally, I wondered, knowing the schedule that I had and usually running about three weeks behind schedule anyway, whether or not I had what it took to, to be involved in this particular program. And you don't realize it, but when I came back for two and a half months, I said very, very little about what had happened. I prayed extensively about it. I sought for wisdom. I talked with some close friends and associates. Finally, in September, we decided to go. And in the newsletter of that year, an invitation was extended to any member of this congregation who would be willing to sit down and talk with me about the possibility of being a teacher trainee. We spelled it out to its infinite degree. One, you had to guarantee that you would attend class during the academic years for two years. Each class, which would meet weekly, two and one half hours in length. You'll be required to study eight to twelve hours each week outside the classroom. You must be willing to submit to oral and written examination. You must be willing to work hard, be willing to change your schedule, be the recipient of all sorts of demands and must be willing to become involved in something that could very easily change your entire life. 
I waited. And then I had some of the strangest experiences and almost spooky experiences with people in this congregation. That's a sermon in and of itself. We had eventually more than the 18 that is our allotment here in this church, the people necessary to teach the people who we feel comprise a realistic figure of those who can go through the congregational phase, phase number two. And I had a tremendous decision to make during that next two and a half month period as I sought God's wisdom in trying to find the ones that he would have to be a part of this course of study. And on January 28, 1970, a little over 18 months ago, 18 students met with me on that Wednesday night down in the colonial room for our first two and a half hours of study. Last Wednesday night at 10 o'clock, we completed our 44th session together. Four of us have never missed one meeting. The majority of the group Seven-eighths of them have not missed more than five or six meetings. And these people have really worked. I have seen great dedication. I do not mean to praise them individually. I told them Wednesday night I hope that I would not today be a cause of embarrassment for them. You have seen their names printed, but I know some of you do not know them. And unknowing to them, I am going to ask, and I think with the exception of one who is sick and one who today is out of town. The rest are all here. They've been here every Sunday. I want them to stand and to stand for about 10 seconds. And even though they're going to be embarrassed, I want the rest of you in the congregation to see this group of students. Bethel students, please, wherever you are, please stand. Nine men and nine women Plus Bernie, my secretary, who has been auditing and helping in the course. Do you see them? These are your Bethel teachers. Thank you, students. I'll give you a nay for the way you stood so erectly. We went to work. And the 19 of us have had quite an experience. And with them, I saw some passages of scripture, some promises of God's holy word revealed before my very eyes. You know, God tells us that he gives us his word to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We read in Paul's lesson here in Romans that this which was written in former days was written for our instruction. Now, the first thing that I have seen, people, people who have become biblically informed, people who have become biblically informed. As I tell you, these people have worked very hard. We have been more than 100 hours down in that classroom, in the colonial room, alone. All of them, I can tell you, have spent more than the eight hours each week. 
I would venture to say that most of them have spent somewhere between 500 to 1,000 hours in study over the last 15 months. They have read, they have memorized, they have learned, they have been confused, they have questioned. All sorts of things have happened. They have learned the greatest lesson that there is in life that you can still learn no matter whatever your age. And they have learned that great lesson that some of us have forgotten, that whenever you spend time in the Word of God, you're going to learn. And no matter how many times you've been in a book before, you're going to learn something that you learned not before. Some of the books of the Bible they have read up to five times in their entire. They have memorized hundreds of concepts. They know the kings of the northern and the southern kingdoms. They know all the judges of Israel, but these are just facts. They know the geography. They know all sorts of things. But the wonderful thing that has happened is that in becoming biblically informed, some of them who haven't realized it yet are in the process of having their personal lives transformed. You see, that's the way it works. And God tells us that when we get into his word, things happen to us individually. God, in some great way, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is able to take words from a written page, and somehow they get into our hearts, and when we are biblically informed, always the result is the same. Our lives are transformed. You see, we are not in the process just so that we can have a group of brilliant Bible scholars, which these people are. They have dedicated themselves to an extent the like of which I have never seen in the church. And the thing is, they like it. I gave them two weeks off recently for an Easter vacation, basically because I was tired. And some of them got upset with me that we took this time off. Now, you don't see that kind of dedication. The worst night that we have had this year, when the snow was deep, the winds were blowing, the roads were icy. Many of them showed up here at this church and stayed till 10 o'clock at night to take an examination in Bible. That's dedication. That's sacrifice. That's what is happening in their lives. That thing that we talk so much about from this pulpit, it's called commitment. It's happening in their lives, and some of them don't even know it, but it, it's there. Not only have these people found their lives spiritually transformed, as Paul promises, that you see that when your mind is renewed by the Spirit of Christ, you become transformed. They find things in their life which they thought com were completely unrelated to the Bible and the church. Things have been happening. I have one of them that has told me, and please, I don't mean to be a cause of embarrassment to any of you, and I'll mention no names, but one of them has told me that never in his life has he been as productive as he has been since he has been in the Bethel series. One has told me that up to a year ago, though professionally trained, 
is despised the necessity to read. And this course has created an insatiable thirst within him for knowledge to the place where he arises most every morning at a very early hour just to read, not the Bible only, but other things. I have some of them tell me that they have never been as happy, that they never really had a purpose for living until they found it in this book, through this study. I won't go on further with them because I want to tell you about me, because I feel in this process I, I have been transformed. Things have happened in my life since I have undertaken this mission that have been marvelous and wonderful. I have a confidence in the Word of God today that, that I have never had before. I feel more power in this pulpit since undertaking Bethel than I ever felt before. Like so many fellow ministers in the gospel, for years I felt as though I were conducting a, what I called, patchwork ministry. Always patching holes here and there, using what I call the crisis ministry, a theology of the tragic. Whenever some of you were in trouble, or made a mistake, or, or, or going through some traumatic experience, I tried to capitalize on that particular incident to try and teach you about God's love, God's forgiveness, God's patience, God's kindness, God's love. Just patching here, there, after the incident would happen, we would run and try to fill the gaps, and, 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 and replace the bricks, and, and patch the walls. For the first time in my life, I feel more like a builder than I do a patchworker. I made the statement privately, now I make it publicly. Never in my 14 years of ministry have I done, in my estimation, anything as important and as effective and as meaningful as the Bethel series here in Bakerstown Church. Biblically informed lives are transformed. And then the inevitable happens, and this is the goal, why we in Bakerstown are involved with Bethel and the Bible. The world then is reformed. Biblically informed, lives are transformed, and then the world has a chance of being reformed. It says that this word, you see, was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and through the patience and instruction of the scriptures, we might have hope. The reason we're involved in Bethel is not just to give you people a hope for the world, but to help you to realize that you are a part of the hope of the world. We may not like it, but the fact still remains that as Christians, God has given to us the keys to the kingdom. And we are the custodians of reconciliation. 
And if this world is going to be reformed, God is counting upon his church, his covenant communion, the descendants of Abram, which you and I, this is our family, and we are blessed to be a blessing. And if this world is going to be reformed, God is going to do it through us. But we can't do it. If our lives are not transformed, and our lives don't have much chance of being transformed until we become biblically informed. It'd be wonderful if everybody lived by the Bible. Yes, that sounds so wonderful and so simple, but it's rather ignorant because the fact remains people don't know the Bible narrative. There are a lot of things happening out there in the world, folks. Just take, for example, what happened in Washington yesterday, in San Francisco yesterday. God is calling for a reformation of the world. And some of us have been sitting on the fence for a long time, but the time is coming when the fences are going to be knocked down. The time is coming sooner than many of you think, and you're going to be on one side or you're going to be on the other. And if you are not biblically informed and your heart transformed by Jesus Christ, I'm afraid God doesn't have much chance of reforming the world through you. You see, the church is in trouble today, ladies and gentlemen, like it is never known during any one of our lifetimes. I don't mean to exclude you laymen, but to me most of the responsibility must for this failure be held to the clergy, yes, and to the ruling elders and leaders of the churches. We have some men standing in pulpits today who just do not preach the word of God. It's a terrible indictment, but I stand by it. There are others who do not preach the word of God, not because they do not know it, but because they're scared to death. And the reason they're scared to death is because they know out there Sunday after Sunday they have people who do not understand nor have the biblical intelligence to comprehend this word of God, and they're afraid of being misunderstood. There are men who do preach the word of God, and their congregations despise them for it. Many a good biblical preacher has been thrown out of a pulpit and out of a church by a congregation that just was not willing to listen to the living word of God. They wanted their old ideas, their sacred traditions. And when the man stood in the pulpit and said, With the power of Isaiah or of Jeremiah, Thus saith the Lord! Instead of responding, they rebelled to the mission of the church. Now, if I have anything to say about it, and if it's going to be within any power that I might have, that is not going to happen in Bakerstown Church. We're going to be talking more than we ever have before on some of these, yes, hairy issues which are confronting our society. And folks, if you're going to understand me or the other ministers of this church, and I'm going to understand you, you're going to have to be biblically informed. And the opportunity is before you right now. And if you are interested in seeing this world of ours in the area of peace, 
in the area of war, in the area of race, in the area of ecology, in the area of every other social ill that we have. If we're going to find reformation, it's going to be through you and other people like you who are biblically informed and whose hearts have been transformed by the only thing that can transform hearts, the power of the Word of God through Jesus Christ. You know the setup. We've talked about it enough. 180 people are going to be in this first class that starts in October. As of 10.30 this morning, the teachers who have been out talking to many of you tell me that we have 138 who have definitely said that on this first day of enrollment, which is today, they will sign their name and pay their money for the first course. Now, some of you we have not talked to as yet. It's not because we do not want you. It is because we've just not had the opportunity. And through the newsletter, you received a contact card. If you have not read your newsletter, shame on you. And if you've lost that contact card, right in the pew rack in front of you, there are some contact cards. If you are interested and if you think the power of God has spoken to you here this morning, even if you have told some teacher you have not been interested and now you feel that you must become involved, please sign the contact card. This is for adults only. We can take, according to our schedule only, the first 180. Well, what happens to the 181st and so on? You will be put on a waiting list. In January, we will start the second unit the first 180 people will go into the second semester work. We will take the first 30 on the waiting list and we will take a seventh teacher and we will start Unit 1. Next year, after Easter in April, when the first 180 will go into the third unit of work and that one unit of 30 goes into its second unit,